Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Jonathan Faduba. We are back. And I'm, as ever, I'm joined by my colleague Steve Wiss. It's a uh, Euro 2020 sort of, um, you know, we've had a little bit of a break for Euro 2020. We, we, we decided to sort of go under the radar a bit. We had a special guest interview uh, with Ashley Coffey of AFC Eskil Student on the last episode. We're closing in on a bit of a landmark coming up soon, aren't we, Steve, which uh, you may briefly mention. But before we get into that, how are you, my friend? Long time no see. Yeah, I'm well. It's been uh, it's been good, thanks. And and you're totally right, Jonathan. That uh, the Euros it kind of uh, it kind of takes over a bit, doesn't it? Whether you, whether you intend it to or not, you know, especially when it's the group stages, it um, you know, you kind of uh, if you're into football, it can consume your life a little bit. And uh, yeah, I think you know we're always going to probably we're staying under the radar a little bit for a couple of weeks, weren't we? Uh, a little bit longer, but it's good to be back. Our Svenskans returning very soon. Uh, Elitis Erin has been going on um, regularly whilst these Euros are on, fitting in these midweek rounds and getting the games done they need to. Um, but yeah, I'm keeping well. I hope you're, you're doing excellent yourself. Very well, very well. I will not say it's coming home, but uh, it is coming home. Uh, we are going to talk about Euro 2020 in part two. Obviously, we're recording this just after the Sweden v Ukraine game. We will talk about Sweden give a bit of an overview on it and uh, also maybe talk about one or two other big teams in this tournament, Cough, England Cough, uh, and maybe even touch on Denmark. Um, why not as a you know a fellow Scandinavian in the quarterfinals? But sadly for Sweden, their time in this tournament has come to an end. I will not even begin to talk about Norway in this tournament because, as we know, they, they aren't there. But uh, maybe the World Cup. You never know, Steve. Maybe the World Cup. Uh, but yeah, what we're going to do on this episode is we're going to get back into league action. Um, the league to Serien has been continuing. Uh, during the last few weeks of the Euro 2020. It's one of the only leagues, really, I think, around Europe that's still ongoing during the, the, the tournament. So plenty to catch up in, in Norway, and that is where we're going to start in part one, um, catching up with everything in the league to Serie. And Steve is the man for that. He's been bringing you some expert previews and analysis um, on his own website, meetmansoccer.com, I think it is, Meatman, isn't it? And uh, then in part two, we'll talk about the Euros and we'll briefly talk about Ospenskan because this weekend is... Osvenskan is returning. It's a good time, you might say, for Sweden to go out because it's just before the start of uh, the league campaign resuming. We'll preview some of the games and just tell you what's been the latest in Osvenskan. So um, let's get into it, Steve. I'm going to, you know, put you on the spot and just say what's been going on in Elite Serien? Because for mm. those who've maybe dipped out, we haven't really talked about this Elite Serien much in the last few weeks, of course, uh, being away and everything. Where are we in the league at the moment, this moment in time? Fill us in. Well, I think if anyone looks at the table... You would presume we're in some sort of like MLS league, where there's a random number of games played by different sides. Uh, we've got some teams as low as seven games. Buda Glimt have played eleven. There's a few teams on ten, a few on nine, a few on eight. So it's all to do that start of the season where there was like some teams didn't play, others didn't. And I don't think it's going to be till like round sixteen. Until like everyone's going to be having played the same number of games again, so it's a bit the table can be misconstrued a bit because you know there's teams with games in hand, whichever way or the other. But significantly, um, at the top of the table, we've got Budigam to Molder on 23 points each. Molder do have a game in hand. Then there is a gap, a seven point gap down to the likes of Volarenga, Christiansen, Viking are lurking down at the bottom. Brand only have four points on the board from ten games. Um, which is, is rather worrying. But, yeah, there's been a lot of games on recently, uh, a few surprises here and there. 
plenty of action and it's been good to see the crowds have also been coming back in norway uh, at least two thousand fans are now allowed everywhere uh, up to five thousand in some venues so it's been really good to to hear to get some of the fans back and um i think you know it's all going in a positive direction for, for the norwegian league and of course soon we're going to be getting teams in european qualifiers which is for me always one of the most exciting times of the year fantastic stuff and yeah looking at the table now for anyone who's not aware of course um in third place we currently have Wallerengo with uh, 16 points from 10 games played we have two teams joint top don't we at the moment We've got molder uh 23 points 10 games played in second and then we've got Buda Glimt, 23 points, 11 games played. So Mulder with a game in hand uh, and Buda Glimt with a plus one goal difference, plus 15 versus plus 14. So league has taken shape. And I think the last time we talked about League of Syrian, Steve, I think the title of the episode was Bran at Bottom. And as I look down at the bottom of the table, uh, I still see Bran Bottom. Four points from 10 games played. That is something I'm sure we will talk about. A massive story, I'm, I'm sure, on that one. We're going to start with a key result that's probably defined uh, the league so far this season, hasn't it, I, I would say. Uh, we've had a big shock. Well, was it a big shock? Uh, Buda Glimt's unbeaten run ended, didn't it? It's uh, been, been a long, long unbeaten run, which you'll tell us about. But uh, a shock, or well, a couple of shocks um, in, in, in recent weeks. But the most recent one was uh, losing at home to Mulder, uh, Steve. So, I mean, they've played three games in, in seven days, Buda Glimt. They, they drew at Wallerenga, won all. Then they lost at home to Mulder and they've just come back and uh, beaten Starbeck 4 1 uh, in their most recent game on the 27th of June. Uh, the next game is going to be played. I think by the time you listen to this podcast, it'll probably have already been played. They're playing Sanderfjord. But how are the champions looking this season? You know, are they, they still have that air of invincibility? I mean, Mulder looked to be on, the, on their necks at this moment in time, breathing down their necks. Um, what have you made of the champions, you know, as, as we sort of hit the kind of 33% mark of this season? I think they've got some problems, Jonathan, to be honest, because suddenly for the first time in probably, uh, well, the last season and a half, injuries might affect them. And um, we've recently had the bad news that uh, Sondre is ruled out for, um, for the rest of the season with a cruciate ligament injury picked up against Starbeck. Wow. And, um, they were 4 0 up at half time against Starbeck, by the way. And the manager made, I do believe, three substitutions at half-time. But sadly, for, for Sorley's point of view, he wasn't one of those taken off. If he had been taken off, this wouldn't have happened. So, I mean, to do your cruciate ligament in when you're 4-0 up, that's, how frustrating is that? But he's done for the rest of the season, and he's had a quite a good year, actually. He's done better than I thought he would. You know, he's not in the in the same league as, like, Zinkanagel or against Peter Holger or anything, but he's had a solid year. To make matters worse, Ola Solbakken got injured during the Molder game. He dislocated his shoulder. Might need to be operated on. They don't know yet. He's facing facing significant time on the sideline. So suddenly their two wingers are ruled out. The depth is finally going to be tested for Buda Glimt in the attacking areas that they've hardly had an injury in this area for you know the last 12 months, the last sort of 40-odd games. So... It's going to be a test, and they've also had they've had some problems at centre back injury wise as well with Breda Moe and Marius Loder injured. But I, I like what I see from Budaglimt at home. They generally are playing pretty good football at home. I worry for them away. They seem to lack it on the road this year. They just don't seem to have the same sort of zest and spark and dominance on the road. And and as for the Molder game itself, it, it kind of threw me back. I expected a wild encounter. All usually the meetings between the two teams 
uh, are really end-to-end full of goals and um you know both teams are there a tango really but what changed this time is Mulder decided to come with a completely different mentality they came with a mentality that they use in, in european matches away from home and in simple term in Mulder terms they parked the bus which i've never seen them do it ever since erling moo took over in uh, at the club uh, i've never seen him do it in a, in a domestic game but he, I think he, it was almost a compliment to Buda Glimp, but he, he gave him so much respect that he basically came there to not shit out a result, but focused on defence to to make sure he didn't lose. And, and it was ultimately a system that worked, but it, it was shocking to see Mulder do that in an elite Serian game. It's just not their style. Not their style indeed. I mean... Yeah, I mean that's really, really tragic, isn't it, for 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 more uh, for Buda Glimp, the injuries they they faced, and as you say, especially in such a um, you know circumstances where the game is almost done already and dusted. Is there been much talk about you know the transfer? I mean, the summer's coming up. We've got the transfer window potentially. Has um, there been much talk of Buda Glimp maybe going in for, dipping in for replacements? Because they they didn't they didn't sort of go crazy, did they, after winning the league this season with the transfers? Um, you know, do they have anything in the kitty? They got some money, haven't they, to spend potentially with some of the sales they've made? Um, players like you know, uh, yes, Peter Halgo and players like that. Are we looking at potential replacements? I mean, who would you? I mean, I'm looking at some of the players who have who've done quite well this season. You've got players like OE have done quite well, haven't they? Um, Mushibakenga is doing quite well. Uh, there's other players that you could potentially name, you know, who are, who are sort of ranking highly for maybe goals or expected goals or assists. What's your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, and I think the bigger concern for them is that the left-back, Frederick andre Bjorkan, who's been linked with the move away from the club for the past two years, really, it's inevitable at some point he will go. And, you know, I was thinking more towards you know, probably the end of the season, but it might be fast-tracked to the summer with, you know, teams sniffing. And, you know, he's going to probably go away for about maybe a couple of million quid, which seems quite cheap, but that's a lot of money for Norwegian teams. And, Look, they've they've signed some good players. If I mean Surly was a good signing, for for example, Eric Eric Bottheim's coming and done well. I think, you know, they've got youngsters going through defence like Sigo um, Kavir and Axel Lindahl's not been a bad signing. The 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 Brazilian on loan from Lviv, Pernambuco, uh, you know, there's minutes in him. He's 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 actually injured as well now. I think it's a more minor problem. You know, maybe he can come and do well. Lassa Nordas was a 19-year-old that scored for them against Starbeck. He filled in for Solbeck. And so I think they've they've always focused on... The recruitment is less on sort of bigger names. It's youngsters they bring in and nurture themselves. But they may have to perhaps go into the market now and get a couple of more established players, especially as they've had a guy ruled out for the whole season. But yeah, there's resources there for Budiglim. It's going to be a test for them, um, for sure. I, I, the minute I'm thinking, I don't think they are going to retain the gold medal because of these injuries and Mulder's, Mulder's squad depth is so strong. But you know, a couple of signings here and there, and you never know. Very interesting stuff. And uh, you know, we'll move on to the next topic. It looks like Budigan's are looking okay. Um, Rosenborg, now obviously a big giant in this league. Uh, we, we talked about them a lot. You know, a big season for them. They've got a lot to do. You know, we, we've discussed kind of their, 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 their transfer moves and things like that. When you look at the table, those 10 games played in there, they're sick. They're behind Viking. They're even behind Christiansen, who have a game in hand, which I, I'm uh, quite surprised about. 
I have to say, I'm starting to take a warm, warming to Christiansen. It's been growing. It's like a, a sort of slow burning affection with Christiansen over the years. You know, gradually seems to be getting better and better, don't they? They're now fourth in the league with 16 points. Um, but Rosenborg, 10 games played, four wins, two draws, four defeats. Uh, 16 goals conceded as well in 10 games and had a bit of a poor run, haven't they? Three defeats in a row. What's going on there with Rosenborg? Well, it seems all sorts is going wrong now, but. You mentioned the 16 goals conceded, one clean sheet all season. I just don't think you can live off that, can you? Um, you know, if you if you can continually conceding goals. I mean, I thought everything was going pretty, not smoothly for them, but they've had a bit of rub of the green in a number of games, some late goals, things like that. But I kind of felt like they were getting some momentum back, really, Jonathan. Um, but then they've, they've since hit the buffers, um, there was a the international break where then they come back from that and they, they lost at Godset. It's a 50-50 game that could have gone either way, and they lost against Sarpsborg. And then just to add insult to injury, they lost against Lillestrom on Monday. And the two goals that Lillestrom scored, one was Paul Andre Helland, who they let go at the end of last season. Um he he scored a goal and he, he loved it. Um he said that the scoring a goal against his old club was up there with the birth of his children in, in terms of feelings. <laughs> Um, and yeah, yeah, he's, he's like, he's something like there was never any, never any question about celebrating. Uh, he planned it and everything. He went, he gave it proper large. You know, this is a guy that's won plenty of gold medals with Rosenborg. He's still probably quite respected up there, but he wasn't happy about how he was let go. I don't think by, you know, Argo Harida. I think Harida basically said, you finished here now. We don't really see a future for you. Litherstrom took him on. Anyway, he scored his goal. Typical Paul Andre Helen fashion. He got injured after 19 minutes. He's the most injury prone player ever that I've known since covering this league. Got injured after 19 minutes. Went off to a hero's welcome. Uh, the crowd chanting his name. Uh, and then just at the end of the game, Jermund Assen scored the second goal. He's on loan from Rosenborg. So he scored against his own club. So, you know, what a way to lose. You know, you basically. The two goals that you can see are against, uh, against cast-offs that you've basically disregarded, and that just sums Rosenborg up at the minute. On the field, there's problems. There's issues off the field, which we're going to talk about soon as well. Uh, suddenly, they're on a nosedive again. And, yeah, you know, at the time of recording, they're playing tomorrow against Augustund at home. Big game for them, and you'll get back on track. Yeah, and there's a... You know, the goal was the goal was fantastic, wasn't it? And I, to be honest... Bit of a bit of a dodgy keeping from Hansen, I think. You know, looking at the goal there, maybe could have done better. But yeah, the scenes were were quite lively when they Lillestrøm were a team who, you know, you did sort of talk up in the in the preseason show. You, you did say that you you thought they could could do one or two things this season, could could sort of turn a few heads, uh, and that's quite quite a big win for them, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm pleased for Lillestrøm that they that they you know what it was a great atmosphere at Larsen Stadium on Monday, and you know, two thousand fans allowed back in. The crowd were loving it. They were absolutely loving it, Jonathan. And, um, yeah, they, they, they were going berserk. This is a huge result for Lillestrøm. You know, it's historically pretty big club in the league. They've won four of the last five now. And they look up for it. And, uh, you know, I think they, they had a bit of a dodgy start, but they may now finally live up to my dark horse tag and, and prove me right, I think, Lillestrøm. Uh, they, they seem to be going places. So I'm pleased for them. I am. I, I, I know sometimes people think I don't like Lillestrøm on this podcast, but... I've never had anything against them. Yeah, and uh, for those who are enjoying fantasy football, um, Asen, Guillermo Asen got uh, was pretty effective in that game, wasn't he? One goal, one assist. Uh, he also picked up three bonus fantasy points. Um, I will quickly ask you, Steve, how are you, how are you getting on in the fantasy? 
Well, I will I will say this. I had the Lillestrom goalkeeper on my team sheet for that game. And he picked up nine points. So um, I also had a Lillestrom defender on the bench, which didn't help me. <laughs> Got eight points. But my overall fantasy season has not been going as well as I would want this year. You know, I... <laughs> I've got Sandre Surly in my team. He's going to have to go out now, isn't he? Soul back in as well. You know, it's like everything that can go wrong is going wrong for me in fantasy this year. It's it's just yeah. not my season in fantasy, I don't think. No, and, and to be precise for anyone who's listening and may be wondering, you're currently in 66th place, which is uh, in a sort of a roughly 100-team league. I'm, I'm 9,184th overall, which for me is... You know, pretty damn low for someone. I've been I've been finishing in the top. You know, let me look at my previous years. I've been in the top six hundred every every single year for the last three years. So overall, yeah, the mighty have fallen in this one. It looks like it's a sort of a Chelsea in twenty fifteen sort of site type season for you, isn't it? Twenty sixteen season when hey, Mourinho. I can still recover it. You know, I but, still uh, come back. Let's, 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 I mean, I won't talk where I am. I'm I'm, I'm firmly relegation zone but for those who are listening uh just to give a recap i've got rasmus anderson in fifth fpl rasmus 602 points this is in the nordic football podcast league by the way private mini league uh we've got juveline united emil magnus jacobson 603 points fourth place we've got Kalrabi Kamaretana, uh vigard bjorga i think 605 points very close so third place We've got JS. He's always up there, isn't he? OCD All-Stars. Always up there. That he's down. He's been knocked down. 616 points. He's down this week, though. And at the top, it would be rude not to. Average at FPL with a storming week, 95 points. And he has now got 632. And he is top of the Nordic Football Podcast Mini League. He played two captains this week. And um, it's part of the reason he's done so well. Uh, Botheim and Sultan is, I think, pretty well for him. You so, can yeah. join this league. I just want to before, sorry, Jonathan, that you can join this league uh, if you've not joined it uh, before. Join the code is uh, EV lowercase 70I lowercase zero. So, uh, yeah, you can still join this Nordic Football Podcast Fantasy League. Yep, the league's still open to join. So um, get get involved, and I'm pretty sure if you haven't even joined yet, give it a few weeks, and you'll probably be uh, above me at this rate. But uh, um, let's move on. And there's been a bit of controversy in the league to Syria in Norway, haven't there? Recently, with Rosenborg, I mean, we talked about them off on the pitch. Sorry, um, four defeats in the last six games, three in a row. But on the off the pitch, there's been some uh, sort of uh, unseemly kind of events haven't there steve at the moment yeah this all revolves around um the manager aga harida who basically was asked questions about the uefa decision uh you know where when munich wanted to light up the allianz arena um in the rainbow colors the pride colors and uh, he was asked about what he he thought about that and he came out by saying that um, he believes that sport should be completely keen, uh, completely clean of anything politically related or or along those lines. And I, I think it has it's something that hasn't come across particularly well in this in this day and age um, because I think a lot of people now see football as this uh, vector for um, you know it's so watched, isn't it? And there's so much worldwide coverage of it. It's a, it is a way you can use um, 
ways to, to really increase positivity in life, you know, and, and, and sort of make a mark in a good way. And I don't think the reaction was not very good to Harida, and it was so much so that Rosenborg themselves actually came out, they were forced to come out with their own statement on their official website saying Rosenborg supports pride. Um, our manager, Argus Harida, stated early today that pride and other celebrations do not belong in the football arena. It's created reactions. This is Argus' opinion and not the club's point of view. And, you know, for a club to have to, to force them to come out to say that just shows you, you know, the the negative reactions. It goes on to say a couple of things that Argus Harida said in support of things like that, but it basically feels like something they're trying to push under the carpet a bit. And um, not a good look. It's not good for PR. It's not good Not good for a lot of things, really, I don't think, Jonathan. And, yeah. um, to, and to be honest, I, I don't really see what he would have against this. It's a very um, peaceful movement. And well, he's come out and he's come out and said that. Uh, I mean, I think the, the word that has offended people really, that's upset people, isn't it? Is uh, he called it? He described it as propaganda. Yeah. In the parade, and I think mm. that's the key key word really that's upset some people. I mean, just just reading some of the comments, uh, as you've said there, and you've explained it quite well. I mean, I think the key thing is he said pride in pride is in many ways a propaganda for people to love each other. That's okay, but do not use the sport for that. He said, and I think although he's clarified it a little bit. Um, and he has said that you know he didn't he didn't mean it in the in the way it's been, maybe been interpreted. I think the word propaganda is the one that's upset people. Hasn't it? I mean, there's been some you know sports commentator in Andres Aviz and Berger Lofadli said this is a troubling case for Rosenborg, and um, you know there's also been talk about um, his contract is being renegotiated, isn't it? It's, it's not a great time for him no, to comments, isn't it? I, I've un- I understand his contract will be renegotiated on July the first, and um, Lofadli has said. They're in the middle of a process where they must consider whether to extend the contract with Harida. I think this could play into such a case. Do you think, Steve, that this could actually affect maybe him keeping his job? Or, or is it is it the results on the pitch? You know, have they been going poorly? Because, you know, you were quite quite positive about Rosenberg, but, it, you know, it seems to have not gone that well so far this season. How, you know, where are you sitting on that, you know, decision of him renewing his contract? Do you think this could actually affect it, what he said? Yeah, I think he, he came into the club at a difficult time uh, after the uh, Eric Hornerland debacle. Just didn't work out with Hornerland. He had a bit of a mess to clear up and you, know, you can't knock his experience. He's won a lot of things in the past. Um, but sometimes you've got to move on, haven't you, to sort of a new generation. You could say maybe they try to do that with, with Hornerland a bit, to be fair. But I just sense this could be the first of a bit of a setback in terms for Rosenborg. I do wonder whether there will be a new contract for him going forward. Like you said, results have suddenly turned a bit. Then now there's this. I mean, it's the last thing that the... I'm convinced this had a factor in the in the Lillestrip game. Like, There's no way them players want this sort of controversy hanging over them. It just adds unnecessary pressure, doesn't it? So I think if a combination of things may lead to them not renewing his contract. And I really think it's a terrible look. I think I said something on my own Twitter account about this, and I, I dare not repeat the words because um, uh, I really was not impressed with what I, what, what I heard from, from the manager. I'm fully behind all these, uh, the, anything Pride-related movement. I think um, I was disappointed. I was very disappointed in it. And um, I think, yeah, a combination of things may lead to them going in a different direction in the future. Yeah, and it's fascinating how sometimes you know. I mean, ironically, he's uh, he's kind of proved to him. His, he's kind of proved himself to be wrong, hasn't he? Because he said that 
politics and sport are completely separate. And by saying that, he's actually maybe out of a, he may be losing his job. Um, you know, so he's almost yeah. proved himself wrong, hasn't he? Really, uh, in quite a swift fashion. So um, of course, you know, it's a, it's an interesting debate, isn't it? And it kind of proves that sport and sport is intertwined with society, really, and it kind of always will be, really. And people who say it isn't is kind of sometimes maybe missing the point a little bit. But I, I do understand the intentions. He has tried to clarify them. Let's see if it impacts their decision to whether to keep him or not. It's probably not the best timing, is it, as well, especially with such poor results. I mean, just looking at the um, some of the stats that may interest uh, our listeners who, who are more of a, you know, statistically analysing the league, in terms of expected goals against it, Rosenborg are the third worst team in the league. I mean, their expected goals against it is 18.42. Uh, only two teams have a higher XG against, and that's uh, Starbeck and Brand. Starbeck 20.56, Brand 18.95. So, you know, it's relegation form in terms of the amount of goals they're expected to concede. And, you know, ultimately, that's not going to help his case either, is it really, when it comes to um, these kind of decisions? So it's looking like a tough time, really, for, for Rosenborg at this, at this moment in time. Let's move on. Um, I mean, in fairness to them, just before I do wrap that up, they have had the second highest number of shots in the league uh, behind Buda Glimt. So, you know, they are obviously creating chances. They have the fourth most touches in the penalty area uh, behind Mulder, Wallerenga and Buda Glimt. So, one or two reasons to be positive, you know, I don't want to be completely negative on, on Harada, but yeah, it seems like defensively they, they are kind of struggling. Uh, but let's move on anyway. It's a, an interesting debate as always there, Steve. Thank you. And uh, the next uh, topic we're going to talk about is, well, it's, 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 it's Branner time, isn't it? Uh, yeah. It's, it's time to talk about how flaky Branner, <laughs> complete misery really for them, isn't it? I mean, bottom of the league when we talked last time, bottom of the league now, Eight out of ten defeats, Steve. What's uh, what have you got to say about Brown? I mean, it's not nothing's really changed, has it? It's when you have a brutal run of fixtures, it can really set you back. And be, Starbeck is similar. I think we're going to talk a little bit about Starbeck after this. I mean, they've had one. They've had one win all season. I'm just looking yeah, at that. yeah. I'm just looking at the table. One win in ten. I mean, that is scandalous. If you look at the first five games, you could say you almost not expect them to lose the first five, but they're, they're bloody tough games. And I think it's set them on the back foot. But I sense something had changed. They beat Strom's Godset 3-0. They got a good draw against Sarpsborg. They suddenly looked solid again. Then they got a match at home against Odd where 5,000 fans were allowed in. And you're thinking, hey, they can really kick on here. But I've got to be honest, I think they put up a bit of a stinking, a stinker of a performance against Odd. They lost it 3-1. And just when you're down there, that sort of result can just can kick you back straight away. If you if you're vulnerable, your confidence is low. Uh, and then they gone and lost against Hagerson one nil, and they probably shouldn't have lost the game. It was probably a deserved draw. But look, an old gambling pro I used to know um, at, a, at a saying, "Bad things happen to bad teams," and and that's what's been happening to Brand recently. They just they're finding ways to lose games, Jonathan, and that is just not a good sign. Um, and that's what happened against Hargerson. There's been other examples earlier in the year, and you just don't have much confidence in them. You could you could almost see them in the next game, sort of dominating, playing well, yet finding a way to somehow cock up points. And it, it's a concerning period. They, they need to get some wins on the board. Remember, they played ten games, mo more than most other sides. That's another concern, isn't it? Um, the manager's under pressure, and yeah, it's 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 not a good time to be a Brown fan. Yeah, certainly not. It's a good time to be a brand fan. And uh, 
you know, I mean, there's a, you know, there's some interesting quirks in this league. I'm just looking at, I mean, Neon Dallas, we're not going to talk about them today, I don't think, but could be one for a pod later on, Steve, because um, a very interesting statistical quirk there as well. And this is brought to you by our partners, Wisecout. Um, and always, as I say, thanks to Wisecout for the partnership. Top of the league in terms of expected goals against, in terms of, the, so the best record for XG against in the league is Mion Dallas. Uh, and bottom of the league for expected goals is Miondalen. So they're keeping it extremely tight, aren't they, in terms of XG against, but they're not creating at all. I mean, I know we're talking about brand, but, but that is something I'm just, just looking at sort of the, the statistics in, the, in this league. And Miondalen, the 13th, one of the teams that, you know, we, we did maybe expect to, to struggle this season, didn't we? Um, certainly you've got them uh, 15th this season, Steve. So they're above brand, um, who you've got in eighth. I mean, how, how serious is this for brand? You know, is, this, is this critical? Um, do they have the ability to maybe dip into the transfer market? Do they need to, in your opinion? Um, and I don't know if you want to have a word from me on that, but maybe we'll we'll save them for another week. But I just found that very, very interesting at this stage of the season. But how serious is this for Brand? Because they're a massive club, aren't they, in Norway? And, uh, I mean, it's all gone Pete Tong for them. Mm. It has. They've got a new sports manager, Jimmy Jimmy Jakobsen. And uh, he basically has now started working at the club. They did a, there was a piece on their website actually that I read just the, I think today, in fact. And it, he was even asked a question about, um, about the reinforcements. The transfer window opens on the 1st of August. And he said, I will make sure that we are best prepared to know what opportunities lie there for us in the areas we want to strengthen. And then the questions asked him, are there financial opportunities to get reinforcements? And he said, yes, we have the opportunity to do so. We will do a thorough job of finding the types that may be the right solutions for us. So then he also goes on to say, nevertheless, the most important thing is to further develop what we already have and make sure we get the best out of the current group. So it looks like they're already planning on raiding the transfer market in in, in transfer window in August. And it looks like there is some money there to, to, to pump into them. The manager's an interesting situation, Cotteringa Bricks, and I don't think they would have gone into the season wanting to even think about sacking him, but they've got the next few games are winnable i look at their you look at in fact you actually look at their next sort of 10 fixtures and um you know there's, there's winnable games in there you know lillestrom tomorrow the christian sun and three home games in a row against trump so yeah and darlin sanderfjord you know they could, these are chances to get points out of this so i think they'll probably give him till the halfway stage of the season um well probably more to the 18th of july and then there's a month and about a month break so he'd probably give him another four games and see what points they're on. But yeah, of course it's getting critical when you're on this amount of less points, but they do have some winnable games coming up soon, which is a positive for Brand. Yeah, and I have to say, looking at the uh, the goal, I mean, from Wadji, the winner for Haugesund, uh, two two points there, really. I mean, well, number one, it's fantastic to see fans back, isn't it? It made a real noise when the goal went in. Yeah. Um, but, but secondly, I mean, the defending is <clears throat> there's a total joke from Brand, isn't it, really? I mean, two players basically have broken through the line of six players, uh, six brand defenders. One player's broken through the brand midfield, uh, taking out three players, and then Wadji's taking out three players in defence himself. So a really shocking goal, isn't it, really? And I guess that sums up Brand's problems at the moment. But if we look at um, Halgersund, uh, I just want to, before we move on, say a goodbye, isn't it? Because uh, uh, someone who's been sort of coming up, popping up in this podcast for quite a few years now, hasn't he? He's leaving the league. It's my man, Bruno Lighty. Uh, he's probably the only thing I know about Halgersund, but I do know a little bit about him. I, I caught him in a few games and I've always liked him, haven't I, Steve? And um, 
been some transfer news, isn't there? He is he is leaving, and he only came off the bench for 18 minutes. Um, but he it will be his last game for Halgerson, isn't it? I think pretty much. Yeah, I think there was a time when you probably knew more about Halgerson than I did. Um, with your religious following of this player, he um, I don't know how many games he's played for them. I'm just going to check it up actually now, but he, he's been there a fair, fair, fair while at um, and um, he you know he had a couple of seasons where he did cement himself in there um i think it's 119 games off the top of my head yeah 119 games four goals seven assists and uh, you know there was I say a couple of campaigns where he did cement himself as a main starter but you know he's been a bit more sort of benched under the current manager and i get why i might want to move on but yeah, a loyal servant to to Hogerson. and they're a small squad there, so I'm sure they'll miss him as well. I, I was pleased for them that they got the win. That the crowd, like you said, they went absolutely bonkers, didn't they? When when Vaggie scored the goal, I mean, it's a local derby, you got to remember as well. And it was a real tense feeling towards the end of the game. Brown should have equalised right at the death, but the, again, poor decision making from them. Um, to, someone went for the shot instead of the pass. And that just sums Bran up right now. But um, yeah, Bruno Leiter, good stint. He's had an elite Assyrian. Um, yeah, he's off to look, uh, look to him. He's off to Paphos FC in Cyprus. Uh, he had interest apparently from uh, Turkey as well and Belgium, according to uh, local journalists. Uh, he caught my eye, I think it was in 2018 or 2019 season. He's just one of those players who I've always kept an eye out for. I, I like the way he ran at midfield in a couple of games I saw. And I always just thought after that, uh, you know, I'm going to keep my eye on this player. But it uh, doesn't seem to have maybe gone on as much as I thought he might. But yeah, still a nice move to sunny Cyprus and, and, and good luck to Bruno Lighting. Maybe we'll see him again in later in years to come or maybe also Svenskan, who knows? Well, Cyprus. Cyprus is one of them weird places where you can be on a beach in the morning and you can be skiing in the afternoon. Did you know that? I know you can, the ski resorts there, um, but not a lot of people know about. I did not know that. I mean, how are you going to, where are you going to ski in Cyprus? There's, there's some really tall mountains there. Uh, I know some people who go there regularly every year and they're like, yeah, I'm, I was skiing there in the morning and I was on the beach in the afternoon in the, in high temperatures. I have so, heard it's quite mountainous, actually. Uh, I've never been to Cyprus in my life, so I can't say it firsthand, but it does seem like one of them sort of freak destinations where you can do a bit of everything, you know? So he's going to enjoy that, isn't he? There you go. The Nordic Football Podcast bringing you not only uh, football analysis, but also, you know, holiday destinations, potentially. So... Um, <laughs> Always, you can never accuse us of being uh, being a vanilla pod. Uh, we've got two more topics before we wrap up this uh, part of the show. Um, a couple of transfers that you wanted to talk about, including the Dutch. The Dutch are coming, aren't they, for the for the Norwegian league? Um, I'm trying to think what game it was. I saw Bruno Lads actually. I think it was. I think it was speaking, it was a Ian Birchnell game. Yeah, we did a match analysis, didn't we? Mm. I think we did a match analysis in that game, and I watched it properly. And I really liked his ball retention. But uh, yeah, it was a few a good few years ago now. But anyway, it uh, just shows you how you sort of take a liking to a player sometimes, don't you? He's been in my fantasy team this year as well, by the way. So I'm going to have to get him out because I don't think he's done anything. Um, but yeah, as, as I mentioned, the Dutch have kind of been raiding the league for one or two players, haven't they, Steve? Uh, what have you got to tell us? Well, Feyenoord are the team that are really raiding Norway, it seems. Um, Holmgren Pedersen, he is confirmed as moving to Feyenoord from Molder. They've been linked with... Frederick Andre Björkan and also uh, one of the Kitalanos at Odd. Um, there's so many Kitalanos, I always forget <laughs> who's who. But yeah, the, the left back um, at Odd, um, John Kitalano, the link with him. 
But uh, I mean, look, I've, I've seen um, a few teams in France also linked with Bjorkamp, by the way. So uh, or there of all teams actually were, but um, I think Nîmes were in the in the in the running as well. But um, yeah, it looks like fine order getting the teeth stuck into Scandinavia, and I can't blame them because you get some good talents up there. Uh, so you know, kudos to them. Uh, they actually, I, they're probably my favourite team in 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 Holland. Actually, fine order. I always love their passion. Um, so good luck to Holmgren Pedersen there um, at uh, the Kuip. Is he? Is he? Has he been a good player in the league? I think he's. I'll be honest with you. I think he's a little bit overrated, and I, I do not mean to say this in any sort of negative way at all, um, because he's, he's no doubt he's got a lot of ability. But um, look, this is someone who started like the Trump, so is a winger, and I still think there's, ten, there's tendencies when he is this defender to, you know, there's moments of switch off. He likes to get forward a lot, you know. It's a good job he's so fast physically he can get back and any mistake he makes, he can sort of make it up with his pace. And you get players like that, don't you? Um, you know, it's always happened. And so he's lucky there. But, um, you know, I think he's... Um, it'd be interesting to see what sort of system he goes into. I think he'd be perfect in sort of like a a wing-back system. You know, he's always played in a in a, in a 4 four three three at Mulder. Sorry, four two three one. You know, if he goes into say like a five three two or you know three five two, I think he'd be that that would be his optimum. So I've no idea what final would play these days, but um, yeah, as a defender, I still think there's moments where he switches off. But I suppose at final they're going to be they're going to be favourite in every game apart from four matches a year, right? So yeah, probably uh, will suit them. I think he's a little bit overrated, and I don't honestly don't mean that negatively, but. Um, there's still some he's still only 20 years old so plenty of time to iron it out there yeah and the interesting thing is that um you know maybe, maybe they make me find would have started looking at az altmar because they're the ones who tend to sort of buy from scandinavia recently haven't they they've, they've taken jesper carlson uh they took um who was it from norway that they took from buddha glimp uh the name escapes me now but uh the name escapes me now but well, yeah uh, az altmar yeah. Uh, yeah, God, I, I think um, I'm trying to bloody think myself, but yeah, I know you mean. I know you mean. Uh, yeah, how uh, Evian. Yeah, exactly. What's happened to him these days? As he, as he, I don't know how he's getting on. But yeah, they took they took him as well. So maybe Feyenoord have sort of woken up to that and and decided to go for the Holmgren peasant. So good good luck to him. Uh, the last topic, maybe I'll run a few stats on Holmgren peasant to wrap up this part one. But before I do that, Steve, you wanted to talk about Lars Mahina. Yeah, I do. I think, um, you know, obviously with Mick, Michael Stara moved back to um, IFK Gothenburg, right, in Sweden. So, which I was surprised by that myself. But uh, Sarsborg had to react. And, you know, Sarsborg are in a position where they're playing this 3-4-3 system. And it's not the sort of system you can just ditch, is it, in, in sort of the middle of a season. So... The Heenan was the perfect guy to come in because he's been using that in his previous jobs. And, um, you know, basically, you know, things didn't go very well for Lars at, um, at Olesund and, and in, in the Elite Assyrian. But uh, he's got a better squad now here at Sarpsborg. And I'll be honest, I've, I quite like what I've seen so far from him. Um, you know, unfortunately, I gave him the kiss of death on um, on Monday. When I said after the first half against Viking, you know, this is a very watchable team. He's doing, he's looking good, and then end up losing. In in, in sort of the thing with Bahinen, he 
he, he he said in an interview recently, I said this, he would much rather win 4-3 than 1-0. But like a Kevin Keegan thing to say that, isn't it? And I, I really like that idea, though. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to see teams win 1-0. You know, I want to see action and goals and excitement, and I think he does as well. And I think that's going to serve Sarsborg well, if he can get the most out of their offensive abilities. Because honestly, Mikel Stara was sucking the life out of that team. I would never watch them unless I had to. Like, they were such a boring watch, but I think Lars will get a lot more out of them. And they've put in some good performances against Mulder and Rosenborg recently. So, yeah, look, I like what I see. I just hope that he doesn't, like, blow points like he did against, like he did at Arlesson. That is a bit of a... He can sometimes go for broke a bit, um, which I, I hope he gets rewarded for that if he, if he has that attitude because he brings a lot of positivity to football. And I think Sarsborg can... The fans can certainly look forward to some better football with Lars in charge. So, so far, you know, I like what I see and, and, and all the best to Lars Bohina. Fantastic stuff. And uh, just to summarise, you know, you think he'll have a positive impact there? You think, you, I mean, he's going to obviously change the style. Um, the currently, what, 11th, is it? He's not going to change the formation. That's the thing. Like, there's so many, there's so many different ways you can go 3-4-3, three, three, you know, uh, as we discussed. There is, we've done an episode, uh, if you want to check back, check on our YouTube channel. There was a really interesting tactical uh, discussion, but he's basically going from the defensive version of it to a more attacking version of it. But you know, that's going to take some time to build in, probably take him to the rest of the season. But if you can just get him into a sort of a solid mid-table position, build you know off-season with some players that probably fit his eye better, then I think there's you know is it a club here, a more ambitious club, a bit more resources, and we could finally see this sort of three-four-three vision of him of his. Um, really go to fruition um, if, if things fall his way. Fantastic stuff. And that will wrap it up for part one. Um, coming up in part two, we're going to move to Sweden. We're going to briefly talk about the Euros. And we are going to uh, yeah also preview the Ausvenskan return, which, which is back this weekend. So, uh, yeah, but before we do that, actually, I'll just read out the fixtures this week because we probably won't get to them by the time you maybe listen to this pod when it comes out. Uh, so I'll just briefly read you the, the coming fixtures because they're on Wednesday night. We've got Mulder, Stroms, Godset, Rosenborg, Haugesund, Sandefjord, Buda, Glimt, Tromso, Christiansen, Viking, Starbeck, Brand, Lillestrom, Mjondalen v. Odd, and Wallerenga v. Sarsborg. So uh, any teams we've missed out on, we will uh, touch on in weeks to come. And don't forget to tweet us at Nordic Football if you've got questions and that kind of thing on, on maybe some of the other teams we haven't talked about this week. But uh, that'll wrap it up for part one. Join us in part two where we will head over to Sweden. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm with Jonathan Fordugba. And uh, just before we move now into the Swedish little section, I can reveal that in cricketing terms, we're in the nervous 90s, Jonathan. Um, this is our 97th episode. So we're just three away from the century mark. We're doing a bit of a, a Michael Slater right now. For those who know their cricket, will know that he got out in the 90s an awful lot. But, um, yeah, closing in on a century of episodes, my friend. How, how does that feel? I was gonna, that means it's going to be sort of nearly well over 100 hours of, uh, of listening to me drone on, which, uh, you know, anyone who's made it through that, fair play to you. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, 
yeah, no, uh, it's a good achievement to be honest. I think there's some statistics, aren't there? That I think only not even five percent of podcasts make it to the hundred hundredth episode, something like that. So, uh, a testament to our longevity, I would say. But let's get there first. We still got a few to go. <laughs> you, never, you never know what might happen, mate. Yeah, I know. You might get signed by the the cricket podcast or something. So uh, you know. That, that, that's why I said it is the nervous nineties, isn't it? So uh, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, okay. Well, into this into this second. Um, part of the episode then and we are gonna no but start- what, what, one thing i should say like by the way just that for anyone who has been with us from the beginning just want to give you a big shout out because uh you know i'm sure we'll talk about more about it when we get there but um certainly been a been an exciting journey hasn't it and uh and we have had some loyal, loyal listeners so uh anyone who who remembers from back in the day then we, we certainly uh, appreciate you and uh i know a lot of you are following us on twitter at nordic footpod so yeah it's uh it's uh it's it's quite nice, isn't it? It's a nice feeling. Um, we're, we're getting there, aren't we, Steve? Mm. We are getting there, and uh, yeah, it's it's been very enjoyable so far. And hopefully, plenty more to come in the future. And do you know what? For this particular episode, I actually did a large chunk of my preparation was on a hypothetical matchup. I um, I was getting ready for another Sweden against England preview that we did. We did one in 2018, didn't we, in the World Cup? And to be honest, I was I was always quietly confident England would beat Germany, and I was pretty very confident that Sweden would get through Ukraine. So, you know, when England got past Germany, I'm like, yeah, I'm ready for this uh, matchup. I'm ready for this preview. And then Ukraine knocked Sweden out at the death, and I'm like, but yeah, all that preparation for nothing. So, um, Sweden in the Euros, um, we, we've got to mention them. Really, obviously, interesting journey they've had. But fundamentally, probably it will be a disappointing way that they, that they got knocked out, Jonathan. Yeah, big, big uh, disappointment, isn't it? Really, in, in in Sweden tonight, certainly there'll be feelings of regret uh, being knocked out to Ukraine. It's happened before. Well, they've lost before, of course. The last time these two met was in Euro twenty twelve. Uh, Sweden, well, last time they met in a in a competitive uh, setting um, in a European tournament, and that was uh, Shevchenko scored twice in that game. Zlatan, I think, scored one as well. It was a two one win. Seb Larson played in that game, uh, played tonight as well. So he's he's certainly uh, showed his longevity. Uh, we're talking about 100 episodes. He's he's been around for about 100 years. Um, but yeah, in the end, it was uh, well a big opportunity missed. There was a sense of complacency, maybe potentially you could say, uh, in the build-up. Uh, Dejan Kulusevski was talking about you know the route to the final, and you know it's a bit of an easier draw, he said, and it's a bit of an easier tie to be in. You know, um, I'm, I'm not accusing them of being complacent in any way, but I never like comments like that saying, you know, talking about the half of the draw and, you know, the teams will be easier and that kind of thing. I, I always think, you you know, play, play the game in front of you. Uh, Ukraine were kind of quite fortunate to get through, of course, because they lost to Austria, didn't they? And then um, based on the sort of fourth, uh, you know, the, the, the best third place teams, they managed to make it through because Spain uh, battered Slovakia and, and that, that helped, uh, helped the goal difference and that kind of thing. So, but, so they sneaked through Ukraine. Um, but in what, you know, Kulusevski did say Ukraine will be an incredibly tough game. In fairness to him, so I'm not I'm not getting on his back there. But no, uh, Augustinson said that. Sorry. Um, so you know, I'm not saying that the team got complacent, but it's a big opportunity missed, really, isn't this for for Sweden um, to get to a quarter final, play England again? Maybe could have been a sense of revenge. I mean, the game did hinge on the, the red card from Danielson. Um, I, my timeline on Twitter was massively divided between it never a red and absolutely definitely a red. Um, I personally sit on the latter. I think it was. I think it's definitely a red card. Uh, I think if you look at the bend on Besedi's leg, I mean, 
I mean, if he hasn't broken his leg, he's going to be very lucky because that, that looked really, really bad. Um, and I know he won the ball, but I think when your straight leg studs up like that, high on someone's knee, I, I fail to see how you know you're not asking for trouble. Um, even though even though it was a bit, it was no malice in it, but I think it's it's still a dangerous challenge, um, excessive force and all that kind of thing. So yeah, you know they will have regret. I mean, there's been question marks in this tournament about Jan Anderson and his style of play, a bit like Southgate, you know, in England. Um, there's been talk of kind of is are Sweden too defensive? You know, with a sort of four-four-two and and um, you know very compact shape, very sort of. Uh, Low block, you know, two banks of four, and then and then an attacking midfielder in Forsberg and a, and a striker in Isak. But you know, if you if you looked at the stats going into this game, I was I was lucky enough to be invited by uh, Zoria Londonsk, which is a Ukrainian football podcast, um, to preview this match. So uh, shout out to them, thanks for having me on the show. But yeah, I mean, when I was previewing Sweden in uh, on on that podcast, and they were quite scared, well, not scared, but they were quite worried about Ukraine. They were quite cautious. Um, I had some things to point out. You know, Sweden have been one of the worst teams in terms of passing completion in this in this tournament. Uh, second worst team in the competition for ball possession. This is up to the end of the group stages. So a team that's really kind of um, been happy to you know sit back really and and not really try to string too much play together uh, and just kind of relied on individual brilliance from Kulusevski certainly against Poland. Uh, and of course, Forsberg, who, who's who's done really well this tournament, I think he's really almost rejuvenated his career because there was a time when he looked like he'd have a really, really big career. Um, and then he kind of went a bit quiet in the last sort of maybe 18 months or so on, on the club scene at Leipzig and kind of went off the boil a little bit. So I'm, I'm really happy that he's kind of, um, you know, back maybe on, on the big stage now and he can maybe continue his career. But yeah, real sense of regret, Steve, tonight. I think uh, in Sweden, it was a, I think it's a big opportunity lost to at least get to a quarters. Maybe could have even eyed up a semi against Denmark. So um, yeah, there's a real feeling of bitterness. Seb Larsson's come out tonight and said he was, you know, close to tears. And yeah, it's a sad, uh, sad end to the tournament for Sweden. Yeah, because I mean, I look at this Swedish team on paper and the, the, the genuine quality in there now. You know, you know, Augustinsson's obviously very reliable left back. Forsberg, I think, was top quality in this tournament. Isaac, we know what he's about. He's going to get better and better. Um, Filipe Kulusevski. You know, this is not a has-been team. You know, this is a better Sweden for me than it was uh, in the World Cup, for example. So, and they're certainly a better team uh, than Ukraine on paper, in my opinion. And maybe the manager, you know, 45% ball possession against Ukraine seems quite low to me, like you were saying there. And uh, the red card, I, I feel sorry for him a little bit because he, he was just getting stuck in. But, and I think the still images and the slow-mos make it look worse, but, I'm afraid in this in this modern era you probably can't do that can you you're asking for trouble so i do i do have sympathy for him but i think in in the 2021 letter of the law it probably is a red card um but you know it, it was it, i think a lot of people expected Sweden to win this game because you know the the group stage they they had some good results they they played some good football at times and um yeah, this is certainly a blow. How hard do you think this will actually hit the, the the national team? Because it feels like they're making progression. Will this be a setback or can they learn from it? I think they can learn from it. Um, you know, this generation, I mentioned it in, in the pod I went on, like I say, um, this generation came through since 2015, really. There's a lot of players in that squad who won the under-21 Euros in, in 2015. I was there 
uh, covered the tournament for Just Football in, in Czech Republic. And, you know, if you look at some of the players in, in that tournament, you've got the likes of uh, August Dinson was in that squad. Um, ma- many of the players, as I say, were, were in that squad. So um, they've added to it with players like Isak, who's come through, uh, and others. Lindelof, of course, was in that squad, you know. So this is a team that's kind of grown together. And it's, I, I think there's a bit of a theme in this tournament of that, because, you know, I know England aren't playing their kind of players who came through from the under-17 World Cup winning squad. Um, the likes of, well, Sancho, uh, of course, and and, and uh, Foden hasn't even had that much game time. Um, but there is that kind of emergence of, of different sort of uh, generations. You know, Sw- Switzerland, for example, in the quarterfinals, um, their generation of, of players that won the uh, under-17 World Cup in 2009 uh, come through. Seferovic, he, he actually wrote an article about him in 2009. Um, going back on just football for a very, very long time now, uh, when he I would named him one of the players of the tournament at that tournament in, in 2009. And, you know, I, I think I likened him to Alan Shearer. And, you know, <clears throat> for, for quite a long time, I, I kind of regretted that because he's not really kicked on Seferovic in his career. He's always flattered to deceive because at youth level, he was really, really good. But, you know, he's just come in now, hasn't he? And he's, he, you know, he knocked out, helped knock out France. And um, they've got a few other players from for, in that team, Granit Xhaka, um, Admir Mamedou who came on so you know each kind of squad who's in these last eight they kind of have a little bit of a, a core group of players who've come through youth football which is always nice to see and I think Sweden do have that the question now will be what happens next for that team because a lot of those players are um, sort of starting to enter their you know mid sort of late 20s maybe um, so they've still got enough football in them surely you know Lindelof's not going anywhere I don't think for example uh, Augustinsson although he has his injuries he'll still be around um, players like that, but then the next thing that they can build on, really, I think this this tournament's been good. I think to get players like Isak, uh, I think Kulusevski looked really, really good against Poland, like I say, and I thought against Ukraine, he he was their main player really in terms of creativity. Besides Forsberg, who hit the bar and post, um, and and of course scored. So those kind of players, I think they're they're getting that tournament experience for those young players like like Kulusevski, like I say, like Isak that will help them. You know, those players can now go to the World Cup maybe and, and, and build on it. Um, they're only going to lose maybe a couple of players. Obviously, the World Cup is only a year away, isn't it? It's only 18 months away. So, um, Larson, could he stick around for it? Maybe there's talk now that he he, he will retire, but um, potentially he could be around for it uh, if he wanted to, if he can stay another year. Uh, others maybe can try. So, you know, I think they can look on it and build. I th- think there will be some criticism for Yana Anderson because... The game was there for the taking, in my opinion. And I just think that, you know, he did take off quite a few players in this game where maybe they could have left on like an Isak, maybe. Um, but, you know, the red card is un- unfortunate. And from from his point of view, what can he do about uh, as a manager? Not much. So, yeah, I think there'll be a feeling of regret, but they can still build on this, I think, and move forward. They don't have, it's not like the last chance for them in any, in any stretch of the imagination. And really, last 16... You know, if you looked at the groups beforehand, maybe that's probably what they'd have expected. Would they have expected to go through? Maybe not. I think I think the regret for Sweden here is, um, I think in this group they could have faced Spain, isn't it, in the in the next round? I think that was one of the possibilities. And I think I think both sides, Ukraine and Sweden, probably thought they'd have a harder last sixteen game. You know, both yeah. of them looked at each other yeah. and thought, you know, let's have some of that. Really, considering who they could have got. So I think that's where the regret will come. But all in all, if you'd said to them last 16, they, you know, it wouldn't have been gone down as a failure, I don't think. But it's just going to be that feeling of regret. Yeah. Uh, the way it's happened. And I'm, I'm a bit gutted, really. It's not going to be Sweden, England again. I was looking forward to it. 
and um, you know I was ready for it. So, uh, and I think it would have been close. I do. I really think it would have been close. But uh, I mean, how do you, what do you, before we move on to our Svenskan? I suppose I'm, now you're here, I might as well get your prediction, John. Uh, but who's going to win uh, the tournament now? Do you think? I think it's coming home, Steve. I think England are going to win the tournament, and um, you know, I'm not. It's not. It's not me being <clears throat> patriotic or anything like that. But I, I think everything's falling England's way. I mean, <clears throat> as I said, you know, you look at the Sweden 2015 generation. Um, you got Augustinsson. You you you've got players like, um, uh, as I say. You know, you got Robin Quison as well, who's in that in that generation. A few others, and I think that England have got that generation coming through now. And I think there's players that you can look at, and also in that 2015 tournament, by the way, Harry Kane was there. Uh, there was a few others. So, so you know, England also have had players from that 2015 tournament, although they went out in the group stages. John Stones was in that tournament. Um, Kane came through. One or two others, not many. So it's always interesting when you look at youth tournaments and see who makes it. I mean. Uh, you know, could name you Liam Moore, for example, at that tournament, Matt Target, you know, they've kind of Jake Forster, Kasky. Um, they're not around anymore really on the England scene, are they? But Kane, Kane's still there. Um, and when I look at England, I just see a good blend. I think they've got a good blend of youth and experience. I think I think they've got massive advantages. The tournament's basically made for them to win. You know, they've got five out of six of their games at home, which is just incredible home advantage. I, I think it's unfair, in fact, to be honest, uh, in what's supposed to be a neutral tournament. But I think COVID has kind of favoured England in that sense. You know, the, the travel restrictions and such has meant that it's probably harder to, to sort of have a international tournament in that in the sense that it was meant from UEFA. So England had the most rest of any team after the group stages. You know, they, they had a full week's rest, even based at home. You know, they've got one game away now in Rome against Ukraine. Uh, tournament favourites dropping like flies. So really, I mean, Germany weren't even allowed to train on at Wembley surface because of the rain. So... Even the, even the weather's helping England in this tournament. So I mean, you know, when everything starts coming together like that, you just start to think, you know, is this their year? And I've got to give credit to Southgate. I know some people have criticised him, but no goals conceded so far. I think tactically he's got pretty much everything right. Um, I will say I thought Germany were really poor, but but um, you know the way this group, the way this tournament's gone. I mean, England haven't had to play a really really difficult team. But then again, when you look at it, they they beaten Croatia, they beaten Czech Republic, who who knocked out. Uh, Netherlands quite comfortably, uh, and now they've been Germany. So, you know, Ukraine have now had to go to extra time. They've got injuries. I mean, Danielson's probably broken one of their players' legs, so that's one player down. You know, that everything just seems to be going England's way at the moment. And so I, I really do think they, they are the tournament favourites at this stage. The only other team I could see maybe are Spain and Italy, potentially. Belgium, possibly, but I think I think their injuries are going to catch up with them. Um, De Bruyne just keeps seeming to get injured every time he plays at the moment. Um, Hazard is almost perma injured, so I, I just think that everything's falling into England's favour. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go England. I can't really argue with your logic here, to be honest. Um, it's just you look at everything. England do seem quite a very fit squad as well, and uh, you know that if you get to the final, someone like Italy, Spain might have really tied themselves out as well by the time they get to a final. So yeah, it, it, there's no excuses now, is there, for England to to not reach. A, a final and um you know anything can happen in, in a one-off game can't it so uh yeah why not why not why not how will you celebrate steve when when it comes home when football comes home how would i celebrate um do you think i mean do you do you agree do you think do you think it will happen do i do I, honest, I do like what i've seen from italy in the other side of the draw i do um but 
you know, when you got to get through Belgium and then potentially probably Spain, even Switzerland and no mugs, then, you know, they, they do have a harder route into the final and it's going to take its toll, isn't it? And England, you know, no disrespect to Ukraine, they should be able to do what England do and sort of nullify the strengths of the opposition's attacking this tournament and probably, I'm not saying scrape through like a 1-0 or 2-0, but just edge a match, do what they need to do. And then they're back at Wembley, aren't they? And if you're back at Wembley, then really the crowd can give you a massive edge. You know, even if you say Denmark, you've got the wind behind their sails and then the final as well. So your logic is is, is correct. And, um, you know, I don't think England are anywhere near as good a watch as they were, say, the World Cup 2018. But, uh, yeah, Southgate seems to have a plan. And, you know, you can't knock him at the minute until... You know, if you if you if you lose this way, then he's going to get absolutely slaughtered, isn't he? But um, the minute he's winning this way, yeah, yeah, nice. No, uh, it's looking interesting. But let, let's move on to Osvensko. Mm. We've got a yeah. few more minutes. Uh, yeah, Osvensko. Uh, yeah. Tell us what's been going on in the league. Oh, there hasn't been any matches up there, of course. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can tell you what's been going on in the league. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely uh, been been a season break, obviously for the for the Euros, uh, but we are back this week. Um, so good timing for Sweden, I suppose, going out. Um, but yeah, there, you know, the handful. Of, there has been friendlies and things like that going on. Uh, there has also been some transfers, managerial changes. So you know, a fair amount has happened. And I don't think we even talked about the Swedish Cup final, uh, which was won by Hammerby in the end. So um, I think we briefly maybe touched on it. But but yeah, there has been a few things happening. Um, but yeah, the action returns uh, properly uh, this weekend. So yeah, things will things will sort of slowly get back to normal. Um, and you'll be pleased to know, Steve. There's going to be. It's been announced there'll be three thousand fans uh, allowed at games, so we will have some noise at these matches uh, from July the first. So um, yes, yeah, uh, exciting times really, and uh, you know the the league kind of stopped because, like I say, because of the Euros. We haven't had a game since May. Um, that was the last round, so we've got a lot to catch up on really. But this weekend, um, you know, we've got EF. Uh, North Shipping against Malmo and Degafors Ossesons starts things on, on Saturday. Uh, Sunday, we've got some big games, Bicko Hacken AIK, um, Hacken with their new manager, of course, uh, and also a couple of other managerial changes. Hammerby have got a new manager. Uh, EF Core will have a new manager as well. So, yeah, it's all, it's all kicking off again, and we'll be, uh, we'll be covering it as always on, on the Naughty Football Podcast. Yeah, and um, obviously, congratulations there to Hammerby for winning the Swedish Cup. They'll be in Europe for that. Stockholm is green for now. Right. So, uh, yeah, really massive congrats. And, you know, uh, we've got a full round here of games on the 3rd, the 4th and the 5th of July. I, I will just run through the card, actually. Norshman, Malmo, Degafort, Ustersund, Hecken, AIK, Varberg, Kalmar, Hammerby, Halmstad, Sirius, Mjölby, Jorgarten, Örebro and IFK, Göteborg, Elsborg. So a couple of new managers like you did mention there, Hammerby uh, have got a new one. They've won the Swedish Cup and they've got a new manager. Is that right? And, of course, Mikkel Stara has come into IFK Gothenburg. Yeah, well, it's, it's, um, you're right. Stockholm is green for now. And I know you'll be happy with that, Steve. I know you've got a bit of a soft spot for Hammerby. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, they're not a massively successful club, historically, to be honest. Uh, Hammerby said this was, a, this was a really big, big, big deal for them. Mm. Uh, you know, the eighth in the league so far this season after eight games played, and and the, the sort of team who never really, they never really achieve considering the, the the fan base they have. If you know what I mean, and they're not 
they're nowhere near as successful as their local rivals, your garden and, uh, and AIK, you know, that although they have the derbies against them, when it comes to honors, they're, they're nowhere near it. You know, they've, they've won the league once in the history uh, in 2001. And this cup win was the first ever cup uh, in the history. We can, can, can you believe that Steve? So um, it was a real big deal for them. They won it on penalties. Um, but you know, some people say, "Oh, the cup isn't isn't that much of a, a big deal." Try try telling that to uh, to Hamburg fans. It also means they'll be in Europe. But what's happened here has transpired is they they've they've got rid of the manager, um, Stefan Bilborn. I, I, did, I think I said to you on the last show when we talked about Osvenskan, I said that, that I'm never quite convinced by Hamburg. Really, I always think they should be doing better, and I think that feeling has just kind of been hammered home really amongst the board's hierarchy and that kind of thing. And, Billborn, although he's got he's good at building and attacking setup, he's never really been great, uh, you know, without me wanting to criticize it too much at, at the defensive side of the game. And, and I think it's just caught up with him in the end, really. I think I think they've kind of got a bit fed up with it. I mean, 13 goals conceded, that's more than Hacken, who are bottom of the league. Um, you know, so they've scored 14, conceded 13, they're 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 sort of eighth in the league. But I just think ambitions are kind of a bit higher than that. So Billborn's had quite a while uh to try and work his magic. It hasn't happened for them. Uh, and so he's he's been replaced. Um, the new manager is a, uh, a fellow called Milos Milojevic. Um, he's taken a few sort of training games and things like that. They played serious in a, in a training match and beat them three-one uh, most recently. So uh, you know the teams have been sort of playing some warm-up matches before the league starts. Uh, Akin Kumiemu is still there, by the way, and he 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 played well. Um, he was actually responsible for I think all the goals, uh, goals and assists. So he's he's looking good as usual. But um, yeah, Milojevic will come in and I think the key thing for him will be to try and perhaps tighten up that defence and whilst keeping the, the, the attack, um, you know, firing on, on all cylinders. They've got a few players who have sort of, uh, you know, a few rumours about transfers and things like that. They've, um, you know, they've, they've brought one or two back as well. I think Bjorn, uh, Bjorn Paulson might be coming back. I think he is back, in fact. So, um, yeah, exciting times for, for Hammerby. And we will see where it goes, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it seems a bit harsh to me that he's gone after winning a cup, but maybe it was kind of like you've got this cup final and that's it. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was kind of like he was probably going to be gone anyway. Yeah. I mean, the cup made it a bit more complicated, but they, they decided in the end to... Give him the final. Um, yeah, so it was a, probably the reverse of like, for example, Mourinho, when they got rid of him before a cup yeah. final, worrying that he might win it. Um, Milovic, Milovic, who those who don't know him, he's 38 years old. He was formerly at Mialbi as a coach, um, so you know he's familiar with the league. Uh, he has a, quite a good reputation, um, and you know their sporting director Hammerby Jesper Janssen said uh, he's a coach with international experience. He knows a lot about Swedish football. He's clear in his leadership. He has a great game idea, and he has demands on the playing squad. So um, you know there's a feeling that he kind of knows Swedish football, which which will, will hold him in good stead. Um, you know he's done well at he's done well at Miami as I say he's, he's been a coach there, um, so you know, good luck to him. Yeah, and uh, just briefly before we we, we do finish, um, what is your opinion of Mikel Stara coming into IFK Gothenburg? Mikel Stara, well, I've got to be honest, I I'm, I'm underwhelmed at that appointment. Mm. Um, a very st- strange club in my opinion at times. I just, I just don't really know where where they're going. Um, they seem to always have a a new kind of direction every every sort of six months, 
you know, there was always that the, the original um, fit thing with Poy Aspargi. You know, he was one of the youngest managers in the league, and it was always about, oh well, we're going for this sort of Spanish game model. We're going for this sort of tiki taka style. Basically, took all of Gisunsvall's coaches, you know, and 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 kind of tried to go down that route. They tried to go down the youth route of kind of like we're going to bring players through our academy. Then they went and bought Marek Hamzik, Marcus Berg, um, you know, brought back all their old players basically. I just. You know, now they obviously went. Then they got rid of Poyas Bargi and they went, you know, down the line with uh, with Nielsen. Now they've got rid of him. Star is one of those players. Uh, sorry, one of those managers who, I mean, he, he does have quite a good reputation, I suppose. But he's not exactly. I mean, you don't exactly. Does he, does he though? I mean, the thing is, I know he went or oh, pretty. Yeah, he had a pretty good time at Hecken, and that that for me, that's another alarm bell. Why would you appoint an ex Hecken coach? You know, they're big rivals, right? Um, he went over to MLS and he got completely exposed at San Jose Earthquakes. They were absolutely terrible, absolute joke of a side. Conceding goals left, right and centre. It was like a different version of Starry. He couldn't adapt. And he goes into Sarpsborg. It's not exactly failed there, but he, for me, it's just took the life out of them. They went something like 11 games without a win. He, 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 his final match, he did he did beat uh, Tromso. But I, underwhelming is a great word. I think I, I think he's far too much of a defensive coach. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you you probably know more about him than me, and to a certain extent, because of the play. You know, he's been in, he's been in a lot of leagues that you follow closely. Um, and you know, EF Core during this break, by the way, during the Euros, they they've uh, put out a statement apologising to their fans. You know, admitting fully that they've they've been they the wrong manager. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe they're getting their excuses in already. But you know, the Hamzik experiment has has ended kind of almost in failure. I mean. Oh, maybe not failure, but he, you know, he essentially used the club to get fit for the Euros, and, and now he's gone to Turkey to Trabzonspor. Um, so all that fanfare was almost for nothing, really. Uh, didn't really light the league up in the end, and and that just sort of gives you a hint about the kind of feeling of short short termism. You know, Hakan Mill, the club director, said we IFEF Core have not been good enough in this situation. Um, you know, they're, they're getting ready to welcome fans back, aren't they? And they want fans to buy tickets, so. Uh, <laughs> You know, they're putting out their statements and things like that to try and, you know, mitigate the situation. But, you know, they're currently 10th. Uh, Star, like you say, is quite a defensive coach. They've got some good attacking players in that team, but, you know, a lot of older players. I mean, one bit of bad news, uh, sad news, I guess, as well for them is Jakob Johansson. Uh, you may remember him from Ren as well at one point. Um, he's retired in, uh, in the last week uh, at the age of 31. Um, he's had a bad knee injury, several operations, and he, he decided to retire. So, you know, we wish him well. It's, it's, it's a sad, sad into his career. Um, but yeah, they do have players who are sort of approaching retirement age now, to be honest, um, EF Core. So yeah, it's, it's a strange one. We'll, we'll see how Star does. But I just think that, as you say, he's a sort of a, de- a defensive coach. It's an easy one there because he's, you know, he, he knows the Gothenburg area well. Um, I guess we'll find out soon. I, it doesn't make sense. You say they're trying to get people to buy tickets and they hire a a known defensive coach it, it suggests to me they're kind of worried about just kind of staying in the league again because star is a, he's probably a steady set of hands that's not nothing drastic is going to happen with him at the helm but they've drawn a uh, six out of eight games and i think there's going to be a lot more draws because he's known for uh, for those uh, matches at endor square but uh, he's an interesting figure star i would like to talk to him probably one day and get it what his actual philosophy is really at times what he's trying to achieve sometimes because He's, uh, I'd probably be a bit harsh on him here, but um, yeah, I, I do worry for them in terms of their entertainment value, but also potentially results. 
But yeah, Mikhail yeah, Starr, a new IFK coach. Get yourself down to Gothenburg, mate. I mean, uh, you know, you be you might be able to ask him, ask him yourself. I mean, they've had a few managers who have gone on to Norway in the end, haven't they? As well, they they you know they've had a, uh, a Lister manager who used to be at EF Corps as well. Um, so yes, it's an interesting one. There has been some some changes. I mean, we'll see where it goes. Like I say, the, the team is mixed between really really old players. Vern Bloom's thirty fourth, going on thirty five. You know. Players like that, you know, as I say, Hamzik's left now, but Sig Torsen in his 30s, Biasmir 35. And then you've got really young, sort of talented prospects like Alassane Youssef and, you know, Jesper Torlinson, although he is probably leaving fairly soon now to Belgium. But, yes, it's a sort of a club in caught in two minds, in my opinion. So we'll see where it goes. I predicted them to finish sixth, but I'd probably revise that now. I think you can maybe, unless Stara really gets his grip on this team, then I... I think you could maybe say they may end the league in about mid table now. Mm. Yeah, I think that that seems quite logical, really, that that, that, that will happen um, this season. But uh, I mean, I think it's a good move for him. I, I think he was drying up a bit at Salzburg, and there was a bit of negativity starting to develop there. And it's a good move for Starr himself. It, he would, I can see why he jumped at the opportunity. So um, you know, we'll be keeping our eye on them, or, or more, maybe not, because you know, like I said, I don't really like watching his games, but. Um, yeah, yeah, good luck to him, nevertheless. And uh, our Svenskan does return. And um, what about transfers? Quickly, um, is the window when does the window open for Sweden? Do we know? Has anything happened recently? Yeah, well, I mean, we'll wrap up the show now. I think we uh, we've probably just gone over our limit. But one uh, one big bit of news, I think, I definitely want to talk about. I mean, before we talk about actual transfers, one minor piece of news. Um, there's a lot of interesting witchery from Eurogarden, which will the eye of uh fantasy fans because he's been doing really well uh, and he's a really good right back i'm surprised mm-hmm. he hasn't won yet i'll be honest uh aok there's been some big news their sporting director bjorn westrom has left the club um he's been there for a long long time so that is kind of all change uh, at aok you know behind behind closed doors um he's been at the he's been at the, he's been at the team for 22 years so you know that's that's a, a sort of quite a major change really he's, he's been there through their sort of title wins and things like that um, he talked with his pride, really looking at the Swedish team and how many of those players have come through AIK. You know, if you look at Isak, for example, you look at um, Christopher Olsen, players like that, who, who you know, Seb Larsson's at AIK right now. He, that was one of his sort of highlights. He said that he'll, you know, when he watches that Sweden team, he, he feels proud. Um, but on the pitch, there's one player I need to talk about to end this show, and I probably will talk about him again next week. But I've got to say goodbye to my man, Joseph Okumu. Oh, no. <laughs> the big Kenyan. No way. He's left. It's sad. We, I, th- I thought we might be able to see him for a few more games. Oh. But as it is in Sweden, it's always fleeting. You've got to enjoy these players while you can because <laughs> you do know that if they do well, the time will come. And um, you want to guess where he's gone, Steve? What, what league he's gone well, to? Uh, he's sadly not going to Ellen Road, is he? So... Um... Um, God, uh, Belgium. It's got to be Belgium, right? It is indeed Belgium. He you is, uh, bastards of Belgium. <laughs> he's gone to Ghent. Uh, it is one of the finance. It's one of the biggest deals in Elfsborg history. Uh, club manager <laughs> Stefan Andersen said he's signed the deal till 2025. Um, Okumu has left a really nice tribute, actually, and it says a lot about him as a player. I, I just, I think, I think he's really loved at Elfsborg, actually. And you know, sometimes you don't get players that well loved when they don't stay long, but. I think he is really loved. He joined in 2019. He's he's grown into one of Osvenskan's best centre-backs by miles. I love watching him. 
uh, we did a little video, didn't we, about him when he was linked with Rangers. But he, he said, it's a fantastic feeling to be leaving, but also difficult. Elsborg and Boras have been my home. I've really come to my senses here and enjoyed myself so much. I've got to know amazing people, but at the end of the day, football is a job and sometimes there's a day when you move on. It's tough, but a good feeling for what comes next. Uh, so it's been good to be part of a fantastic team that was involved in taking the club back to the top position in Osvenskan and the return to Europe. And, you know, he's had a massive impact on Elspeth. Mm. He really has that, you know, like, like he says that they're back in Europe. They had a really good season last year. You know, they were a, they were a bit of a nothing club, weren't they? I mean, I, I know we joked about it, but for quite a few years, they were quite boring and nothing ever really happened. And then they've come along and finished second. He changed it all, didn't he? You know, and he, he's a massive part of it, honestly. Mm. He really was. Um, the big Kenny. Big, big sort of boot, you know, his long, I'm going to miss his long passes up the field. Uh, booting it 50, 60 yards up play. You know, he's a, you know, if he carries on, he, I could see him ending up in the Premier League one day because he's that kind of player where he could, he's got a few levels to go up, in my opinion. So good luck to Joseph Akuma. I really, I will miss him actually. He's, he's probably one of my top five players, favorite players to watch in this league. Not necessarily yeah. in terms of all round quality, but just to, I love, I just love watching him. He's so unique. And I hope that hasn't coached out of him when he goes to Belgium. But, uh, yeah, really, really top top draw player for Osvenskan level. Too good for Osvenskan in the end, really. Uh, and I will miss uh, big Joseph Akumi. It's one less reason to watch Elsborg, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I'm really good to hear that as well, to be honest. Yeah, and honestly, I was... I, was I, 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 I kind of really want to see... I want to see Kenya at the African Nations Cup or something now. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> so we can see some of him on the big screen. Uh, but Ooh. yeah, some of them passes, them hoofing... <laughs> balls like a like a deep line playmaker from centre back, isn't it? It was. Uh, he's a gazelle. He's an absolute gazelle. I mean, Elsborg have made three point five million uh, euros out of the deal. Oh, that's um, a good price. Good, good money. He's good played played forty one games in their yellow shirt. Uh, and Jimmy Tellin said, Joseph came to Elsborg after a careful scouting process. Don't forget, they picked him up in I think it was USL two in America. Nice. So really good scouting. Uh, after an impressive effort to get Joseph to Elsborg, he has been developed and trained with the right conditions. He is dedicated, he's worked very hard and he is now ready for the next step in his career. So goodbye, Mr. Joseph Akuma. The Nordic Football Podcast salutes you. If we had a Hall of Fame, you, I think you would be a big contender. And uh, yeah, let's hope to see you uh, in a bigger league maybe in, in years to come. But I will be keeping an eye out for him again because um, like I say, he's been one of my favourite players to watch in the last uh, in the last two years. Well, what a note to finish the podcast on. Kind of a sad note, but also, you know, a happy note for him personally, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I think we're done, aren't we, for this episode now? We're done indeed, and uh, I hope that's uh, given you a, a nice taster uh, for the, the weeks to come. Obviously, we'll be back now, now that the leagues, both leagues are running. Uh, we'll be continuing our, our coverage, of course. You can also uh, follow us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. Uh, thank you to Chris, Stephen, Alex, Passit, Team Overs, Alexander, Charlotte and Jürgen, if you're listening, uh, for your support as always. And uh, yeah, thank you to you as well, Steve. We're, we're closing on that ton, mate. We're closing on the ton and we'll be back hopefully next week um, for another episode. And if you if you want to listen to more from the Nordic Football Podcast, hopefully you enjoyed our episode with uh, Ashley Coffey. Go back and listen to that. We've got a few other guests lined up in the, in the weeks to come. Steve, I know you're doing your homework at this moment in time, your notepad, your book of contacts. So, um, yeah, we'll be back soon, won't we? Yeah, um, there was uh, a question, I think, that was asked at me, which I've forgotten. I'll get back to that another time or on the Twitter account itself. 
Um, but I don't think there were too many. We'll, next time, we'll, we'll give you a much more advanced warning when we're doing an episode so you can really get your questions in, like, like a day in advance or something. Uh, better that way. Well, the question was about Fred Friday, but it's a, it's a Wednesday, so we'll answer that another time. That was it. It was about Fred Friday. And I, I really want to talk about Fred Friday because some people kind of doubted him start of the season yeah we'll, so, we'll, we'll touch on him next week so thanks a lot for your question uh, um you know who you are there so uh, yeah that's it for this episode thanks for listening you can follow us on twitter at nordic footpod you can find uh, myself on twitter at jf football jffutbl and steve at meatman soccer uh, that's about it for this week hope you've enjoyed it thank you again goodbye take care everyone and goodbye